And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Mr. Scott, shall we give the Enterprise a proper shakedown? I would say it's time for that, sir. I... Before this drama unfolds, we give welcome to the ones named Kirk and Spock. You! What planet is this? Which one of you is the captain? Do we violate the treaty, Captain? Sir, someone is stealing the Enterprise. What are you scratching at? make illogical decisions. Hello, how are you? Good. Good? Where's your dad? Is he busy? Yeah, he's on the toilet. Oh, <laughs> of course. <laughs> Tell him to hurry up. Say, come on, yeah. He spends a lot of time. Yeah, yeah, it. yeah. You peppers. <laughs> 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 What's going on? <laughs> this is Pete. Yeah. <laughs> Am I your special guest? <laughs> hey, you ain't Pete. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you was me friend. No. <laughs> you ain't Pete. <laughs> What's going on, freaks? Did you forget? No, I've been waiting for you to call. You said you'd call me, and I've been <laughs> here waiting. Goddamn like, oh, kids he... can't read a clock anyway. Jesus, Jesus. <laughs> so how how long you got? I got as long as you've got. I'm I'm just ready to go. <laughs> so, All right. How you been? Fine, sir. <laughs> 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 Oh, I tell you, the, the thing that kills me about this episode, I, I got to get it out. I just got to get it out. The thing that kills me about this episode, that kills me about this episode is just, 
you know, the, the people die. I mean, people literally die, and it's like, oh, Sam, oh, <laughs> Joe, or whatever the heck it was. It's like, oh, no big deal. We expected that scumbag to just die anyway. <laughs> it's like, Christ almighty, don't they have workers' comp? I mean, we're in the 23rd century, and they don't even come on the job with any benefits or safety or anything. <laughs> There's no OSHA there, yeah. I know there's no OSHA or nothing, and it's like, grace, <laughs> no union dues or nothing. You just get absorbed, and everybody forgets you. <laughs> like, Christ, didn't this guy have a family or anything that cared a damn about him? I like the first guy that buys it because, <laughs> like, it's it's literally... Like, he's with a whole group of people, and the guy's sweating bullets. He's scared shitless, and he's just like, eh, is the Enterprise going to get here soon? Eh, eh, why, should we, why are we down here? And they're like, ah, don't worry about it, you know, Frank. Don't worry. Only 50 other people have died, but don't worry about it. And it's literally not 10 seconds after they walk away that you hear, like, <laughs> behind him. And, and <laughs> <laughs> I know it. <laughs> the enterprise is on its way. <laughs> what are they going to do for me right now while I'm getting acid to death? Right. <laughs> well, in case anybody has a guest, it's Star Trek Monthly Monday. <laughs> and we have brought back the greatest guest of all time the captain. Quick. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just want to, before we jump into this real quick, later in the Boy. show, time permitting, we'll get, uh, we'll get a chance to cover a little bit of the email, the backlog of email that we have. But uh, I just wanted to touch on this one that we got from our buddy uh, Jonathan Kreitz. He sent us just a list of, uh, just a list of things, you know, questions and comments and different things about the show. And the very first thing on his list, where is Randy? He says, he says, we need to get this guy on more often, if at all possible, he says. So your wish has been granted, Jonathan. <laughs> so Hi, Jonathan. Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> the, the way you said his name, it sounds like something you would say when you stubbed your toe. <laughs> Jonathan. Oh, Jonathan Kreitz. <laughs> For Christ's sakes, Jonathan. <laughs> I'm sure he hasn't heard that one before. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, I'm glad that Jonathan wanted me to come back, and uh, you know, it's it's an honor. Well, yeah, he's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's no, it is. fun. I mean, we've had we've had a good number of folks, uh, you know, either email in or, or send us, you know, a Facebook post or whatever, uh, asking for your return. So. We finally. Here uh, I am. Yeah. You know who I am. <laughs> so this time around, we are going to be looking at a classic episode, "Devil in the Dark." Captain's log, star date thirty-one ninety-six point one. A distress call has brought the Enterprise to Janus Six. When that creature appears, men die. <laughs> Describe it. Can't. I only got a glimpse of it. Ed shot it. A good, clean shot. Didn't even slow it down. Captain, we are being watched. 
almost as if he'd been thrown into a vat of acid. Strong enough to eat machinery? Strong enough to eat anything. Murdering monsters in there. You're going to stay here. And uh, I'm going to take the synopsis. Who the hell ever said it's classic? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take the synopsis for this one right out of the uh, the nitpickers guide for classic trekkers because we decided we didn't like how the other ones all sound so. <laughs> In this one, uh, it says, when dozens of men die in the tunnels beneath the mining colony on Janus, is it Janus? Rhymes with anus, right? Sure. Janus. it ain't anus. <laughs> <laughs> the Enterprise comes to assist. An eyewitness claims that the deaths are caused by a large creature. A perfectly round sphere of silicon in the colony's uh, colony director's office triggers a theory in Spock. I want to talk about that a little bit later. He says, the killing begins... Uh, Shortly after, the miners opened a new tunnel and discovered thousands of the spheres. Because of this, Spock wonders if the creature might be a uh, life form based on silicon rather than carbon. A foot search confirms Spock's suspicions. When he and Kirk first encounter the creature, it apparently is made of rock. A combined phaser blast stops the creature's attack, but the next meeting uh, produces an uneasy standoff. The creature is hesitant to evoke another phaser blast. Likewise, Kirk and Spock hesitate to fire unless forced to do so. Through a mind meld, Spock discovers that the creature is called a hoarder. A horta. It is an intelligent... No, I'm the hoarder. (laughs) The hoarder. (laughs) It is an intelligent... Uh, it's intelligent and it's the mother of its race. Every 50,000 years, all but one horta die, leaving thousands of eggs behind. The last remaining horta uh, becomes a maternal guardian. When the miners uh, broke into her nursery, the Horta protect, uh, attacked to protect her young. As the episode ends, Spock negotiates an agreement that benefits both the Horta and the miners. That's actually a pretty uh, pretty decent synopsis for this one, That's I think. Pretty accurate, yeah. Yeah. Sure is. I almost never comment on anything that's in the Nitpicker's Guide directly because I, I, I just, you know, I'm... Other than, you know, using the synopsis out of it. Because I like to come up with the the different observations and stuff myself. Although I'll usually give it a quick look through after I've watched the episode just to see if I caught the same things the guy caught. But there was a brilliant one here that I just got to mention that I thought this was hysterical. It says, uh, McCoy heals the Horda by using 100 uh, pounds of thermal concrete. He identifies the substance as the kind they use to build emergency shelters. Sure would have been nice to load some of this stuff into a shuttle and fly it down to Sulu and company on the frozen surface of Alpha 177. Whoops. Steering the enemy within. <laughs> well, well all, all three of us will get back to that when we do the enemy within episode. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, a, a shelter, but they left that poor bastard down there to freeze to death. <laughs> <laughs> Can beam uh-huh. down concrete, but they couldn't beam down any coffee. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's all right. Got to love it. Now, this was always one of your favorite ones when we were kids, right? 
yeah, it, it had that kind of spooky feel to it. Um, you know, I remember the first couple times I saw it, I just, uh, I never seemed to see the whole episode. I'd always turn it on. It would be where that guy, the, like Chris had said, <laughs> where that first guy's getting absorbed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the next thing you know, you know, you're like, oh, God, it's a millionaire. Yeah, old Jed's a millionaire. <laughs> and you're waiting to see. I mean, anybody that was other than Kirk or Spock, you knew they were destined Just for death. Done, yeah. <laughs> well, this is what I hate about it also, that, that they always they hear <laughs> behind them, and they turn around. And they always have a good five seconds to, with their phaser held in front of them to go, no, 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 no. And then, you know, before, the, without squeezing off a shot. And, and at one point they actually go, poor devil didn't even have a chance to squeeze off a shot. Yeah, he had about eight billion chances to squeeze off a shot. I know. He had the phaser in his hand. I know, it's crazy. And the Come funny on. thing is, no. about it is, these guys are supposed to be highly, you know, scientific, you know, best of the best uh, military fleet, and they go out and they see a rock creation and they shit their pants and can't <laughs> even fire their weapons. <laughs> the hell army they in anyway? It ain't it ain't a good one. No, the hell, <laughs> it's not every day you get attacked by a giant cheeseburger, though. Come on, be honest. Well, they all kind of look yeah. like Sam the Butcher, you know. That they, they all are that sort of middle aged guy looking. I know with their pipe, with their pants a little uh, tight and you know, they're, Hold they're, around they're their all... waist and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> the uniforms are always. I mean, you can see that they just don't belong in that uniform, so you know they're going to die. <laughs> <laughs> they might as well have just had them dressed in a suit. Because you knew they were going to be in a court soon anyway. <laughs> Those guys are the stupidest miners ever in space, man. Because oh, they they figure out right at the beginning that their phasers don't hurt it. And they've got to get like special phasers tuned to silicon just to take a chunk off it. Yet they're ready to go and beat on this thing with like wooden and metal clubs. <laughs> I know, right? They know that the wooden and metal clubs won't work, so they're basically like just going to feed themselves to it when they could be on the Enterprise, getting whatever food they want out of the food simulator, and hitting on you know ensigns. <laughs> I know, right? I know it's it's just it's funny because you know when you look back on it, it's just it's amazing. They're like, we're not going to let these monsters drive us off our depressing hole in the ground. <laughs> one thing i caught in that part too that i i guess i never really thought about it before but it really jumped out at me this time watching it was uh the part where uh what's his name uh chief vanderberg there the head guy says uh we're not gonna let him drive us away we're coming down there to where you we're gonna help out and kirk says well we don't have enough phasers for you and then they you know they just move along right pat and i stopped that i kind of fixated on that moment and was like Wait, 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 wait. What is there, like 400 and something people on the Enterprise? And they've only got an away team of what? Like, or landing party of what? Like a dozen guys at most? You're telling me they don't have more than a dozen 
Type two phasers? You mean really? they don't you, they don't have that phaser on a tripod that they had way back in the Gary Mitchell or not Gary Mitchell in the um, Captain Pike days? I know, right? Oh it's yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, I know, it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that really jumped out at me. Like, no, I don't, I don't think so. I've seen, I think we've seen bigger landing parties than that in some of uh-huh. the episodes where everybody was armed. So yeah, that didn't really ring true to me. No, I know it. It's it, you know, I feel almost horrible nitpicking this episode because I really, really like this one a lot. It really is, I think, one of the the best episodes of the series. But you know, there were a couple of things that jumped out. Actually, one of the things that jumped out to me again that's always bugged me right from when I was a kid is I think Spock knows very early on exactly what's happening. Oh yeah, yeah, and, and does, for some reason he never out. says anything. The only yeah. thing he says is right? Doctor McCoy is gonna remember he's sitting there. And and um, Kirk's asking him about it, and he's sort of toying with the ball of silicon, and he goes, speculate. And Spock's right. down at it, and McCoy sort of moves in, like, without saying a word, but he's sort of, you he's know, like, going, yeah, I dare come on, man, say it. He's like, I, do, I don't want to say anything because the doctor's already had enough chance. So it's like, what a babyish. He's like, I don't want the doctor to pick on me, so I, I, um, I won't tell you the important idea that I'm thinking that may... <laughs> of something the 50 people that have just been like you know exactly. turned turned, in, turned into a little smear on the ground that's my biggest <laughs> beef with this one is that it's you know i can understand maybe you know that spock doesn't want to give mccoy more fuel to pick on him i can understand that but lives are at stake here for christ's sake the thing's already killed 50 people well, i know that's you know and that's kind of the take i got all the way through is that the lives were just uh, in, you know, they had no value if it wasn't. <laughs> well, those guys were kind of you know. dicks. They were kind of dicks, you know. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. But uh, it's, it's just amazing how, you know, they're all about peace and, you know, they, they can't interrupt what's going on in other planets, but it's okay that everybody on your ship dies. <laughs> <laughs> We had a uh, another letter that actually touched on something that I was going to touch on that that I had in my notes. This one was from uh, I don't know this fellow's last name. He it's he just goes by Rick in this one, but he just wrote us a quick little note about this episode, saying uh, he says I believe Shatner mentions this episode in his Star Trek Memories book as being the one where during the filming he lost his father. He says, I think he states that if you pay close attention during the episode, you can tell the scenes that were filmed before and after he got the news. And that was his whole email. And I was going to mention that, too, that uh, back when I worked in video, when I used to work for uh, for media play, there was this great video that I used to play all the time. And uh, I finally I I had to look it up online today because I couldn't remember the name of it, but it was filmed at a convention years and years ago, back during um, the 25th anniversary of Star Trek, right around the time that uh, Star Trek six was about to premiere. And somebody asked that old standby question, you know, what's your favorite episode? And I forget what Nimoy answers, but Shatner answers um, that it's Devil in the Dark, and he goes into this great story about why it was Devil in the Dark, and that's the story he tells, is that right in the middle of the filming of this episode, he got a call that his father had suddenly passed away, and it really affected him very strongly, and he said basically what Rick says, that if you watch the episode, you can basically tell 
which scenes are which, which ones are before and which ones are after. Now, I don't know which ones are which, but I, I like to imagine that I can. And the one that I'm, I really think is more than likely after is there's a great scene where Kirk and Spock are down in the tunnels and the, the, you know, the enterprise security guard gets killed and they come to the site and they, you know, they do their analysis and Spock's like, all right, let's go this way. He starts to walk off. Kirk stays behind and kneels down. There's a great moment with Shatner where he, he really looks affected by that crewman's death. And I think it's just one of the, Uh the best pieces with Shatner in the whole series. He really looks moved in that moment like he looks pained you know like this really deeply affected him i i think it's i think it's little moments like that that really make this episode well, i was going to just say that yeah i i agree i there's some moments in it that are really good and i had read that myself actually uh i i work at a place and and we got a library that that uh you know people can have access to and one of the books is the one you mentioned and uh, in that, I read that article, and uh, he talks, you know, quite a bit about that episode and and what it meant to him and all that. So it's it's pretty neat, you know, to know that that one episode had such a special meaning to him. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I think it's one of the reasons why he doesn't um, shatter it up quite as much in right. this one as he does in the regular episodes. I think he's much more subdued. Mm-hmm. And and reserved because he, you know, in real life, he was going through the grieving process. I think and the that wind taken out of his sails. It, yeah, exactly. But I think that really benefits him in this episode. He's kind of reined in the Shatnerisms. He's not hamming it up and it lends itself to the the dark and spooky nature of the episode. I mean, there's yeah, some yeah. really yeah, there's some fantastic moments with Shatner in this one. You know, that moment I talked about, but also uh I like the one where he's confronted by the Horda and when he puts his phaser up, that's just a classic Kirk image, but he doesn't, you know, he's not hammy at all in that moment. Like he do, he is in some other episodes when he's being heroic in that moment, he's just got a, a, a determined look on his face and he looks really, he looks cool in that moment. I think, well, it's a big Testament to Shatner and to the poor guys who are crumpled up underneath the pizza creature. <laughs> that they that, that that they actually act off each other, you know. They have a little a little wordless communication there, where the pizza creature goes, "Yes, I understand. Your phaser can right. shoot me, and I'm gonna back over here, and I'm not gonna attack you." And you know, so and he's starting to like communicate. He's starting to go, "Okay, this thing's intelligent," and uh, and yeah, he's very subdu- subdued. And it's funny because ten minutes before he was like, "Sorry, Spock." You know, it's maybe a crime against science, but we're gonna we're we're gonna murderate this thing, <laughs> which could be why Spock might not have said anything about the eggs at first. He might also have been like right, hoping yeah. that he could, uh, if it is a life form, that that he could figure out a way so that it wouldn't get killed. Which is funny that it's really Kirk that, and and, and uh, is it me or does Kirk propose basically? That the way to resolve all this is for the miners to basically to to enslave the hordas, because he's like they can dig to you know you can have them dig to whatever you need and stuff. And I'm thinking, what's in it for the hordas? 
Oh, they get to live. <laughs> they get to live. Yeah, that yeah. sounds like slavery to me. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Absolutely. <laughs> what's in it for us? Oh, we don't wipe you out. That's what's in it for you. <laughs> yeah, we'll let you live. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I know it's funny that it, you mentioned that, it's, but it, it it really kind of is, yeah. It, it's sort of the only taint on the first really, this is like a, almost like what Next Generation was all the time. This is the super Roddenberry, touchy-feely, like, this was the first thing I ever saw as a kid where it's like the monster turns out to be, you know, sympathetic, at the end, yeah. to where you're like, oh, the, the, it was just in pain and protecting its children. But, you know, up until that point, everything I'd ever seen with something that would, you know, sneak up behind something and kill him was usually like a monster and it had to be lured into the ocean or electrocuted or something, you know, before you chase, <laughs> yeah, chase to the windmill and they set the windmill on fire type of thing. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, and the monster would, well, actually not in Frankenstein's case, but most of the time the monster would be evil. The monster would be, you know, actively trying, you know, so this was a mind blower when I was a little kid. Once I, yeah. the, the, actually the first time I saw it, I didn't get that far in it because it scared me so much. I hid behind the couch. And yeah, I was just a, a scary episode. I was just kid. a little that, that yeah. I mean that's like one of my earliest memories as a kid, you know. So I was probably like three or four years old, but I just rem you know it's that first scene, it it's the like all right, fellas, see you later. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny because in my memory, I always picture that they show the wreckage, you know, the, the smear on the ground afterwards, but they don't show it in that part. It takes a while. And I always in my mind also had a cheesier, like almost like a crime scene chalk line. Chalk outline. Yeah. yeah I, I always had that. that. Yeah. I always had that pictured in my mind. And then when I was watching it, I'm like, no, that's right. It is more realistic. It is just sort of a pile of blackened crumbs. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah, somebody shook out the toaster, basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ding! <laughs> oh, man. I like the part where the uh, the miners have finally had enough of being held back by the, the Enterprise security guards. So they knock the one guy in the head. <laughs> yeah. That the head guy, the the security chief, he goes on to be Captain Wesley in that episode with M five, the Ultimate Computer. Because I kept looking at him in this, going, oh, "That guy looks really familiar to me." And then all of a sudden, it clicked that he's he's in that one. But they knock him aside. Then they knock the guy on the left side of our screen as you're watching the episode. They knock him aside. The other guy, they pull him down, and if you watch the they back, beat, one, they give him, like, they give him a Rodney King man. That head. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> they do, man. <laughs> Can't we all just get along? And and afterwards, afterwards, they're all joking around. You know, Kirk's, and they're like, "Hey, this is gonna work out. These hoarders are nice guys." Meanwhile, why aren't those guys that just beat the shit out of the red shirts up on the Enterprise with the red shirts like going, "All right, mother." <laughs> we're gonna have a we have a little session before we get to the next star base you know Tab tables are turned you don't just beat a starfleet officer down with no re and at the end just be like well fair is fair we know you guys are kind of heated 
Well, you plus know? the whole episode ends with one of those little, you know, do 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 moments. In the meantime, that guy's one of the, the rest of his life in one of those Captain Pike chairs because he's got brain damage. In, yeah, and yeah, meanwhile, it's like it's like a body count of like sixty or something like that. Once, not on screen, but you know, like. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, I know it. they do. I mean, they assault those guys wicked, <laughs> brain hemorrhage. They beat them down with a club. Jesus Christ! <laughs> and be like, I mean, that's what I'm saying. It's just it's so senseless. You think about it, and it's like, you know, okay, I can understand the intent, you know, why they're doing it or whatever, but. I mean, do you really got to brain the guy with a club? You could just restrain him, exactly. You could put handcuffs on him or something. Yeah, you know, uh, lock him in a a broom closet or something (laughs) and beat him over the head with a club. Exactly. You could just threaten to beat him with a club, and then he'll do what you say. You know, but not. Or you could just knock him out. You don't have to knock him out and then continue to make, you know, well, we got to soften him up a little bit, you know, in case... (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I don't know what they're thinking. No, we'll just take it to the nth degree and knock him over the head. <laughs> well, this is a, this is a third 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 um season, so it's no, no. This isn't. This is late in the first season. Oh, I thought this was a third season. Mm-mm. Oh, that's why it was so good. Yeah, <laughs> it's like this is outstanding for third season, but you got to have some cheese in there. And this was my first, this show was my first time I ever heard anybody use the phrase that like a wounded animal is the most dangerous kind right. of animal. And that freaked me right out when I was a kid. It was just like, oh man, this thing's been munching people and now it's, now it's backed <laughs> into a corner. And it was also the first time I ever heard of silicon. So then right, when yeah. I got a little older and they were t- talking about silicon breast implants I said picture in like rocks, little hordas being put in. Yeah, yeah, pizza or like rocks that look like pizzas, and it's just like, why would you want to put rock and rocks in your in your wife's boobs? <laughs> <laughs> I had I had a great rewind moment in this one because there's a line that I guess I'd never heard before. I never made out before. Maybe it used to get edited out when they used to shorten these for network TV or something. But there was a moment in there where Kirk and Spock are talking. He says something. They're talking about going down into the lower levels to retrieve that device to fix the, you know, to fix the air conditioner or whatever. And Kirk's Kirk's line is, we need that retardation mechanism. I was like, did he just say what I think he said? So I rewound it. And that really is what he said. And I'm like. Wait a minute. That must I, not I, have been on there when we were kids, because we yes, would we would have we would have the, focused on that. Yes, we would have we would be in great. We would they would have buried us. We would have our <laughs> we would have had a heart attack and died laughing out. They would have found us on the floor like with blood vessels popped on our foreheads, <laughs> and just <laughs> and just been like, what happened? Did I don't know. The seven o'clock news is on. We don't know. <laughs> Trace backwards to the devil in the dark. <laughs> but I mean, what is? I thought that machine just, you know, very basically like kept the air going and and something like that. What the hell did it have to do with retardation? <laughs> or is that why all the miners are so stupid? <laughs> I just didn't get it. 
Now, did you watch this as the uh, the the new remastered edition, Chris? Yes, I did. Which the pizza creature looked even more like pizza in this one. <laughs> I but did you did you catch that they they did something new with the uh, with the tunneling effect in the in the scene where he comes into the same room with Kirk? Right, right. It, they and, did. They like digitally touched it up, and man, that looked really sharp. They, ha- it, 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 you know, what it's funny. It, they almost had to do a little bit of the like job of the hut in the episode one, ex- mm-hmm. re- remastered one, where you know you could tell they had to. It was the original Horda, but they fiddled with it a little bit to make it look like it goes out of the hole. Right. Yeah, I know. I want to see the original version of it to see how cheesy it was in the first place because that looked pretty cool the way they remastered it. Yeah. Well, the original one, so far as I remember, all that happened is like a section of the wall turns red, like kind of like when they phaser something away, and it turned red and then it like did like a fast dissolve kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, like when the bum shoots himself in uh, in City on the Edge of Forever, you know, they do that like glowy thing and then they just blink out. Oh, yeah, I, I think that's all it did in that. But in did. this, it looked really cool because it actually looked like rock melting away. I thought that looked really neat. They really didn't do an awful lot. Like, you could still see some of the parts where like the tunnel's round, but sometimes right. the tunnel's flat on the bottom where the horse right, has yeah. to crawl through it and stuff like that. And they, and there's no way they can fix the Horda from being like, you know, some guys under some carpet, basically. You know, right. <laughs> it's just nothing you can do about that. But it's but that's a testament to the show is it works. You know, they put mm-hmm. the little bubbly they put the little bubbly cheese pepperonis going on it and stuff. Brain things <laughs> throbbing on it. <laughs> Because yeah. it looks like a hamburger pizza. It does, like, like fresh out of the oven where it's still bubbling. <laughs> you know, as, as cheesy as it may look, this is actually one of the best monsters in the entire series, though. Oh, yeah, it's better than the uh, Mugatu. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mugatu, that was terrible. <laughs> as much as I always liked the way he looks and I really liked his voice, this one looks a lot better than... Uh, Whatever the hell the name of that rock creature is, and the one with Space Lincoln too. Remember, it was what was his name like Yarnak or something like that. Yarnak. I don't. I don't you know, remember yet. <laughs> yeah. Remember, he's, he's just like a. He's like a rock. He's like one of those like paper mache rocks on the planet. And then again, they do yeah. that like slow dissolve, and then all of a sudden he's got arms and legs, and he talks to him and stuff. I th- he, yeah. he sounds really cool, and he's got kind of an interesting look, but he's pretty shit for a rock monster. <laughs> <laughs> I like that episode, though, too. That's a good one. With, with okay. Abe Lincoln. Yeah. We have we done? We haven't done we that have one not yet, done, right? No, uh, we haven't. Yeah, I haven't seen that one since I was a little kid. I'm yeah, we'll dying to see Randy that one. back for that one. Well, Kirk finally, finally admits in this episode that, you know, it really isn't a very good idea to have both the captain and the first officer down on the planet, down in the tunnels on a very dangerous mission where they both might die. Well, yeah, well, with a thing that has acid like the blood of an alien of like the alien from the aliens movie. 
right. move through solid rock like air. And so they're down there together. Meanwhile, everybody that's met this thing has basically gotten melted. And they're doing stuff like, I don't know, should we split up? Sure, let's split. I don't know. Well, well, well it says, you know, just sort of cavalier. Go, Yeah, it's, it's right. crazy talk. You got red shirts to cover that stuff, you know. But the red shirt, you know, but that's the thing is Kirk and Spock have the know-how. Kirk is smart enough to figure out that the thing is intelligent. And uh, Spock is the only one who can do a mind meld with it. Well, did you notice in the scene too, where, where they split up and they go their their separate ways? It's actually Spock is the one that I think looks scared shitless in right. that. You know, he's going through that little tiny tunnel where he has to really crouch down and kind of duck walk through the tunnel. And I think the look on his face isn't so much like scientific curiosity or, or being really cautious. I think the look on his face is stark I, freaking terror. I need to change my space pants, yeah. I think I just passed my Plocto soup. Yeah. I just plucked out in my drawer. <laughs> And yeah, and he's and he's getting all like you know like it's mother protect like you know captain captain are you are, and and here's another thing Kirk does this twice is somebody in two separate parts people ask Kirk if he's all right and he doesn't just say yes I'm all right he goes perfectly <laughs> or does he I didn't I didn't he, catch he that. Did that in the second yeah, time I did it he's like the, yeah. Perfectly yep, all right. You that he did that. That's, that's just true. just got to remind you guys. Perfectly. <laughs> perfectly. I I really do think this is a classic, though. I mean, it's a very simple premise when when you finally know what the whole story is and you you, you get the whole story with it. It's a very simple premise, but it's just it's the way that it's it's pulled off and the way the story's told. I think well, it's fantastic. About 20 minutes into it, I was like, holy cow, how much, you know, I'm like, I must have, because I don't remember, all I remember is creature, creature killing people, chase the creature, find out about the eggs, mind meld, everything's all right. But right. They, but they, I don't want to say they pad it out into an hour because it do, it doesn't feel padded out. It's all good story, you know, and it's good and good character interaction. But there's more that happens in it, you know. There's, you know, they 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 weave in the whole subplot of like, you know, to kill this thing would be to basically to be ending a species, mm-hmm. and uh, like, and it doesn't feel touchy feely about it either. That's well, no, what I like. no, it doesn't Kirk's... feel preachy or green PC or anything like well, that. No, it just feels the beginning. You know... It's like it doesn't matter because we got to mine this shit. You know, right. yeah, we got a job <laughs> to do. Yeah, this thing, this thing's getting in the way of the the mining stuff. You know, the, it's got to go. You know, and it probably would have had to go. Kirk didn't change his mind until he found figured out there was intelligence involved. And then mm-hmm. once he knew there was intelligence involved, then I don't even know if it's like Kirk being like, you know, I want to help out the, the species. I think it could have been Kirk being like, ah, challenge. Let me see if I can, you know, negotiate. It's intelligent. That means I can turn on the old Kirk charm, you know. And that's what right. he's doing. Even though he's doing it with his phaser aimed at the thing, he's sitting there and he's just like, <laughs> 
come on in, Mr. Spock. Come on in and meet my new friend, you know? Right. He's digging it, you know? So... So this used to be this used to be Mayor McCheese, but he kind of let himself go. <laughs> <laughs> this is what this is what how Mayor McCheese looks like when you peel the top of it, his top bun off. <laughs> <laughs> and if Mayor McCheese doesn't behave, we're taking the pickles off next. <laughs> no. no. You guys ever see uh, North by Northwest? Not in a long time, but I have seen it. Yeah, it's there's a, been years. There's a great moment in that movie where uh, he's kind of cornered by the bad guys and, and pretty sure that they're finally going to do him in. So he basically he, he causes a scene and, uh, and gets the cops to come and arrest him. And they take him out and they, they put him in the back of the cop car and everything. And they're driving off with him and they have a little back and forth conversation with him. One of the cops in the car, I think he's the one that's driving, but again, it's been a while since I've seen the movie, too. But I, one of the cops that arrests Cary Grant in, uh, in that movie is the guy that plays uh, Chief Vanderberg in this. Because I, I saw that movie a couple years back. I was watching it, and I was like, hey, I know that guy. He's on, he was in Devil in the Dark. So I thought that was really cool. Apparently, he's, he was one of those like classic character actors that was in like everything back in, you know, back in old movies and TV shows and stuff like that. But that's what I always remember him from besides this episode. <laughs> that's all I got. That's all. That's it. it? Wow. <laughs> wow. I, I love it. I think it's a great show. Oh, one, one other thing. One other quick observation is once again, this is uh, one of those episodes that, you know, it's a classic. It's right up there amongst the best. And it's not a full ensemble piece. In this one, all you get is Kirk, Spock, McCoy, and Scotty. I was going to say, so no Sulu. Others are not in. No Sulu, no Uhura. And Chekhov hadn't joined the cast yet. Well, I know we usually do this at the end of the show. But it'd probably be more fun to do it now. Oh, yeah. You want to pick the next, have the Star Trek computer uh, pick the next episode? Absolutely. I got my right. list right here. Yeah. We'll see if it sounds like one that Randy would like to join us for. All right. Let me get this sucker. God, it takes this thing so long to boot up. You ne <laughs> you never know if it's ever if it's actually going to to do its thing either. Okay, okay. We got the blue screen. All right. All right. Here we go. Number number nine. Number nine. I think we have we've already done, done it. We have done number nine. That was Dagger of the Mind. Dagger of the Mind. No. no. That is one of my favorites. No. no. <laughs> All right. How about number? How about number twenty-six? Number twenty-six. We have done. That was Errand of Moisey. Did we? We did. Which one was that? Errand of Mercy is the one with the Klingons, where they go down and they got the uh, peacenik people yes. and, yeah, with the green space goat. Yes, space yeah. goat. Okay, number 72. 72 is... Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> that which survives. Is that the one where the that creepy woman keeps coming around and going, Mr. Spock, I must touch you and... Is that the one? 
I am. I know it too. sucks, but I can't remember what happens in that one. I am for Spock. Yeah, I am for you, James Kirk. Is that the one? I don't know. Oh, that, like the, that one the, sucks. That's, yeah. that's the that first one. one I read the adaption to in um, the James Blish <laughs> adaptations. Hey, well, you're perfectly welcome to come on for that one, too. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> you Believe it or not, sometimes it's the most fun to review the ones that just really, really suck. Because you can just have a, such, a, you know, such a good time. Oh, Pointing out why they suck. I know what I wanted to mention while I had Randy here. While we had Randy here, and uh, and I'm trying to remember which one. I think it was. Uh, I'm not even going to mention any names involved in any of this because I don't want to get anybody hurt. <laughs> <laughs> one of our listeners, and for some reason, sent sent Scott and I a link. Oh, I know what you're going to talk about. Uh huh. And I'm not going to say the name of this certain troublemaker from up where we're from, but his initials are the same initials as toilet paper. <laughs> okay. Okay, you, you know who I'm talking about? You Blake boys is all bastards. Oh, he's not getting it. He's not getting it. <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm thinking. I'm thinking. I'm thinking. <laughs> I used to ain't got all night. I'm just gonna say it because I can. <laughs> why? Why don't I just say it? Because I can bleep it out. It's. Oh Jesus! Okay, yeah. What about him? Somebody, one of our listeners, <laughs> sent us uh, a news article where this, where he had gotten uh, arrested for threatening threatening somebody at, at knife point or something, and like. They'd had some dispute over something, and they like took him and told him if he didn't do this or that, that bad things were going to happen to him. Oh yeah, <laughs> and stuff. And said this. Said the article to Scott and I were like, "Here, I, you know, I figured you guys would enjoy this, right?" Yeah. <laughs> and then I started thinking, why the hell is somebody, you know, looking for stories about, you know, you know who? And I'm, I like, know, right? I'm like, are they going? I, and I'm all I can think is, these guys are like, don't believe any of our stories. They're checking up on us. Yep, they're fact checking. They're us. fact checking us. Well, the fun, yeah. th- the fun thing is, is when they fact check us, we get to <laughs> actually catch up on <laughs> on what's new with all the, <laughs> you know. And one day, one of these guys is gonna bring us hash or something. You know, that'll be the. The best. Somebody will be like, I, if if you wanted, I got his phone number. <laughs> <laughs> well, just so you guys know, I've been hunting and looking and trying to find Pete Hash. It's not easy. <laughs> I, I've done a fair amount of looking myself. And I know that he's still in Allentown, Pennsylvania. And the last I knew, he was still working for Mario Andretti. <laughs> Well, I then, swear to God. Uh, then we should make a movie where we just go to Allentown to try to find Hesh, you know, like Finding Hesh or something like that. <laughs> sure to win an Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll just find him. We'll call him it back in a car, drive him all the way back to Black River and leave him there. <laughs> <laughs> Mario! Oh. I need a ride. 
<laughs> I'm sorry, Pete. It's a one-seater. <laughs> yeah, just drag me back. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, someday one of our someday somebody's gonna send us like a satellite picture of him standing out in his backyard or something. Oh, I know, and and it I can feel it. It's gonna happen soon too. <laughs> I really can because I'm telling you, it's it's. I can just feel it that somewhere somehow Pete's gonna make it onto your show. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> you know that, don't you, you bastards? <laughs> I honestly don't know what we'd talk about that wouldn't get us in horrible trouble with him. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> Remember that time we did that to you, Pete? No. <laughs> awful. I know. <laughs> I'll never forget some of the classic moments with him. We went to the Jefferson County Fair, and he was smashed at noon. And uh, <laughs> he had a bottle of brandy with him. And we were walking around, and the the carnies would go, hey, hey, boy, and hey, guy, like that, to him and me. And every time they'd ask him to play a game, he'd go, hey, sorry, times are tough. <laughs> <laughs> to the carnies. And then we went on the Flying Bobs there, and uh, he didn't like the music that the DJ was playing, so he rifled a Dixie cup full of draft beer into the DJ's booth. Hello, folks. Chris here. I don't think Uncle Randy realizes it, but he's telling the exact same Pete Hesh story as last time we had him on. Let's just use a little bit of the magic of editing to get on with this. But getting back to that Star Trek episode, you're right. It was, it was good, and uh, but man, I'll tell you, it just it goes to show, um, you know what they could do with a, a, a whole lot of crap equipment. You know they. Oh yeah. You know they they did so much with the little that they had. It's it's pretty amazing. How much machete do you think that episode took? The. <laughs> no, I know, right. <laughs> the paper mache union workers must have been just like partying that week. Bonus time. I think it's a real testament to you know to that show that, like you say, they were able to do so much with so little, and it and it really holds up. It's it's a testament to the writing and the acting that you know, yeah, the effects you know they weren't all that hot even for back then those were cheap effects, you know, I mean, special effects weren't that bad well, they had in the sixties, you know, I mean, in the same year that star Trek got canceled, 2001, a space odyssey came out, which right. still holds up as one of the, the best, you know, science fiction effects movies. And so, you know, you could tell that, you know, they were, they were operating on a shoestring budget, but I, I think well, they had to know, rely it, on, it's, they had to rely on story rather than like, exactly. you know, nowadays yeah. this story would be, were to be done for a TV show, you know, a similar story. Half the show would be a chase, you know, just between yeah. this thing, you know, a cat and mouse game. And whereas this one was like story development where you learned little things about the miners and, you know, it, so. Well, that's why I get so, so very irritated with the new Star Trek is because 
I feel like now, finally, technology and and you know Hollywood, as far as their concern for wanting to deliver solid, um, you know, spend the money basically to deliver solid special effects for a Star Trek film, that's all finally caught up. But now the story's been lost somewhere, you know, and that that seems like a shame to me. I don't know. Maybe the new one won't. You know, maybe the new one will be a nice. I'm a nice melding of the two, but I I don't know. I don't hold a lot of faith. What I don't know that I asked you before, Randy. What did you think of the of the new Star Trek? Are you are, are you going to go see the sequel when it comes out? Uh, you know, I just it comes back great down to I just I have a hard time with it not being Shatner and yeah. the original you know original people, but it was okay. Um, I, I wasn't you know it, it wasn't like it didn't blow me away. But right. I would probably go see the sequel to it. Because actually, I've read a little about it online and in a couple magazine articles. I've seen a couple many stories about it. And, uh, you know, they're, they're saying that it's supposed to be pretty good. So we'll see. There's one dead guy who knows. Oh, yeah? Yeah, there was a guy. He had a terminal disease. And J.J. Abrams brought him the rough cut. He wanted to see the new Star Trek movie before he died. So they wow, like brought really? the yeah they brought the rough cut to him and he and he was the first person, you know, outside of probably J.J. Abrams and the editor, to to get to see the the new Trek movie. Wow, I didn't know about that. Cool. That's pretty. That's pretty classy. I think of him, he I died. Think. I think he died like four days afterwards or something, something like that. Wow. So it was yeah, it was a true neat. last request, yeah. But that that's, that's pretty cool that he got to see, <laughs> that he got yeah. to see uh. Hey, maybe, oh, I know maybe one of us should pretend to be dying and maybe see if we can get it. Hurry up the new Star Wars movie, you know? I don't know. They keep putting out Star Trek movies like the last one. They might just do me in anyway. So, you know. I'd... <laughs> All right. Well, listen, guys, I've got to get going. Yeah, we figured we were about getting to that, to, to where uh, well, you turn I, into I... a pumpkin. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, I just wanted to say again, uh, thank you for having me, and um, you know, hey, thanks for any, being had. Anytime, <laughs> just keep me keep me in in uh, mind, and and I'd love to. And uh, I I always get a kick out of it because it it brings me back to uh, you know a lot of neat old memories of the show and times with you guys and stuff like that. So um, keep keep me in mind. I I, I love doing this kind of thing. Oh, didn't definitely. have much to say. I mean, it's it really, you know, in this episode, they're really, I mean, you guys kind of covered it. It, uh, it was, a, I, I always enjoyed the episode. There's things about it I didn't really like. But, uh, you know, it, when you when you take it for what it is, it's classic Star Trek. It was great. Um, it had some goofy stuff in it. But, but you know, even <laughs> their great episodes. Had I was just going to say, what episode it, doesn't have you know? goofy shit in it? Right. Yeah, you know, and and you know, the only thing I want to add is I just I've I mean, I've always been a fan of the the old crew and and you know, kind of live and let live with people and stuff, but you know, I've seen a lot of interviews lately and I watch this show up here. It's it's uh George, it's like I forget how you say his last name, but it's like Stephanopoulos or something real long. Yes, Stephanopoulos. It's on, yeah, it's on CKWS, and I watched it, and one night of all people, William Shatner was on there. And I got to tell you, I mean, I knew a lot about the guy, but I didn't know some of the things that he shared that night. 
and uh, you know, there's a lot more to him than what people think. And, right. Uh, and the thing that's really grinding my gears over the last year or two is just I'm sick of hearing from George Takai and and you know all these other people saying how you know he hammed it up and he tried to own the show and. You know, I just, I hate that kind of stuff. It, that was his it, job it, to own the show. Exactly. Was, you know, and, and the thing is, is, I mean, he owned it, and, and you know, um, you look back on it, and that's what made it what it is today. I mean, among other things, but if he was just, you know, Captain Pike, it, it never would have went. It wouldn't be what it is today. And, and you know, think of how classic and, and you know, Captain Kirk and William Shatner, I mean, it, it's just, he's, everybody loves the guy, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it's just, I, I hate that, and I hate the, the the kind of bad rap that he's been taking, and it's like, let's say hypothetically he was kind of a jerk back then. You know, it is a long time ago, let it go, you know, and it's just, I hate hearing from him, and I, you know, well, depending on how who you'll hear it from, they were all jerks at some at some point or other. Except for Nichelle Nichols, sounds like was, she was the only one who was sort of yeah. You know, nobody I, had anything bad to say about. I I completely agree with what you're saying though, because you know, not not to sound mean, and and especially I, I really don't want this to come off wrong as some sort of racial thing or something, because I that's not where I what I mean, but. You know, in a lot of ways, I know what you mean with the thing, especially with Takai. It's like, dude, you know, this was, you know, the mid to late 60s. And, you know, you're you're talking about the first racially integrated cast on network television. Be Absolutely. thankful you were there in the first place because you're goddamn lucky that it ever even happened. And be thankful for the part that you had. And, you know, if the only thing that you ever said was, I sir and yes sir and you know and, and you got to swing a sword around every you know three or four episodes. Still made the history Be thankful. Books. Exactly. Yeah. You're going you're immortalized. So shut up I, about exa- it. I know. It's like he's he's you know every one of those guys in in, in you know uh, in that show. I think they yeah, they, they just yeah. use <laughs> Yeah. I I I, 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 I I think they just like there's a certain amount of controversy that keeps you in the news and keeps you people interviewing yeah. you and keeps you you know Shatner doesn't Shatner doesn't have to have to do anything to to keep people paying attention to him whereas no you know yeah, George Takai might might have to although yeah. he's doing pretty good now he's on Howard Stern all the time now I think he's on it like all the time so. Yeah, I mean, I I have no problem with him as far as a you know a human being and everything. I just wish he had just you know harbor. Shut up. And, and, <laughs> yeah, just shut up and and like Scott said, you know, be grateful and you know it, it, he's he's you know adored by fans for fifty years. Let it go and be proud of what he did and like you know you guys said too. I agree. I mean, well, they're all old men now. They should be enjoying time. themselves. You know, yeah, right. you know, they should either and, they and, should either get along with each other or just completely forget that the other ones exist and have fun with their lives. I just I, it, it, that's been bothering me because it's like, I mean, those guys are, you know, they ain't going to be around much longer. And, um, you know, it's like I, no, I really some of I mean, them are already gone, too, you know. Yeah, oh, I know it. I know it. Chris Bones was dead back in the 60s. He just didn't know it. 
Uh, that's hilarious. But, uh, you know, like I said, it, it was fun, and, and it was a good episode, and, and I enjoyed it. And just, you know, next time, I hope it's a good one again. I just I can't stand episodes like, uh, you know, that, that just don't ever expect me to come on for either one of them sucky, pathetic muds ones. I hate, those <laughs> I hate him. Oh. God, I mean, those episodes... Card, Fenton, Mud. <laughs> yeah, that, those two are terrible, and and uh, the one, uh, Cat's Paw, and there's, there's some I just totally you hate. did that one, too. See, we want to have you... I want to have you back now for <laughs> That Which Survives. <laughs> that episode sucks, and I, I think... I always think it's more fun to talk about the ones... That sucked because you get more mileage out of them. I'd yeah, really be on bitching and moaning about Harry Mudd for the <laughs> making it interesting with that sucky show, that one, you know? Exactly. Oh, just, every time I, I watch that episode, all I can think of is those old 70s nacho cheese commercials with that Dom Deloise looking freak. Forget what the hell his name was. It was like Abram Shriver. And I almost think that he should be on a Doritos commercial. Yeah, it was not on Third Track. It's like yeah, no, it was like Avery Shriver or something like that. And he's like, yeah, yeah, shows, Avery that, Shriver. He's got that Jean Shallot crazy mustache, and it, that's just what you want to see <laughs> yeah. somebody. Somebody. Yeah, the only food the only that job he could ever really get was being on Match Game. Jean <laughs> 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 Shallot Fenton. Mud. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> that guy sucked too. <laughs> what a career! What do you do for a living? I'm well. Uh, yeah, I was on the Hollywood Squares. <laughs> yeah, Match Game '69. <laughs> With George Tech High. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God yeah. almighty. <laughs> well, we need to wrap up. And uh, right. I know you need to get going. But, hey, we I, I really would like to have you back for uh, for that shit episode if you want to come back for it. Yeah, just let me know. It's going to be I'll like be yeah, yeah. It'd probably be more fun talking about an episode that's pathetic. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Talk about like Black River and shit too, <laughs> instead of there you go. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, if you have a show just about general life experience or something, I'll be more than happy to talk yeah, that's, about that. Might, yeah, we yeah. definitely want to do that. That might Mem- yeah. Memories of Black awesome. River. Yeah. We, we will do the Randy Gardner special. How about that? There we'll you just, go. We'll just there do you it. Go, I, I, I can't wait Randy to Gardner tell you special. about I got some <laughs> stories for you I want to share. <laughs> <laughs> Sit out, chill. All the way back to Carl Buckland and his comatose dog and <laughs> I got a whole bunch of good stories. Oh, for you. Buckland! Oh my God! We used to, we used to fucking. He flipped out of the back of a yeah. truck, smashed his head, went into a coma. Into a coma. And you know what brought him out of the coma? His freaking dog Spot. 
his mother brought the dog in, and he, he, she saw a tear come out of his eye and realized the dumb bastard was still alive, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't say that. I'm sorry. Well, you know, you you know, know what, what happened I mean. before he went to the coma is he got arrested for putting a ladder up behind a cow, and the cops got him like... Oh, well, then, good, yeah. I, I don't take back what I just said. Oh, that's I right. I forgot I about that. That was Carl Bucklett. Yeah, I, we... we fell <laughs> and smashed his head, and he woke up going, Spot! Spot! I love you, Spot! <laughs> <laughs> we used... Todd Riley and I had... We were at his house waiting for the bus, and his dog had... Remember those dog treats called Bones? And they had, the, yeah. and they had the like, they were basically almost like, um, yeah, they had that soft center, and we pushed the soft center part out of it and put threw it in a baggie and threw it in with our lunch bags. <laughs> told oh, them, told them they were combos. <laughs> lunch, yeah, combination dog and combination shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but it was like. Can I have some of them? And we're like, yeah, you can have all of them. He's like, mmm. <laughs> oh, that's nasty. <laughs> Bones. <laughs> Could you imagine that? Oh, God. Well, who knows, man? I might have eaten some shit back then and not known that I was eating. Then they just never told me. Who knows? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> who knows, right? No, same here. I guarantee one of the burgers I ate through the year was probably <laughs> oh, buffalo chips or something. <laughs> <laughs> I know I fed Jim Wonderman a uh, chili dog with grass and gravel on it. <laughs> no, that's right. <laughs> I remember that. God bless him. He's in heaven now. I've heard he's in heaven with, with some shitty-ass digestive system. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best damn chili dog I ever had. What was in it? Rocks and dirt, <laughs> dirt, grass. <laughs> Jesus, I thought they were frozen peppers. No, they were rocks. Brian <laughs> <laughs> helped his digestion. <laughs> oh, I love it. Uh, All right, boys. Okay. My wife is getting on She's my case, so I to go gotta off. go. Okay. All Some right, night we'll have to have uh, a show about wives. Oh Jesus! <laughs> <laughs> I'll just get to laugh at you guys. There you go. <laughs> All right, guys. Take hey, care. Th- it was great. Thanks to talk for joining us. All right. Thanks man. for having me on the show. And for all my fans that are out there, God love you. I'll be on again soon. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know why that was fucking hilarious. (laughs) Deacon the Geek is a podcast for the geek and everyone. Please join your host, Peregrine and D-Man, each week as they discuss all the things that geek guys love to talk about from the sci-fi, fantasy, and comic genres. For movies, TVs, comics, novels, and games, seek out Definitive Geek. Available on iTunes or at DefinitiveGeek.Podomatic.com. This is the story of my family. That's me. I'm Scott. 
There's Chris, my wonderful co-host. And our children, Josh, Jaina, John David, Jill, Jessa, Giuseppe, Ganymede, Jello, Guadalupe, Gallagher, Gomer, Goober, SpongeBob, Shenandoah, Tumor, Tupac, San Francisco, Betty Joe, Betty Lou, Betty Sue, Billy Jean, Billy Joe, Bobby Joe, Bobby Sue, Bobby Jean, Bobby Joe, Optimus Prime, Yahoo, Condoleezza Couscous, Cosmo, Dr. No, Shaniqua, Adolph, Cletus, Festus, Bocephus, Coolidge, Cooter, Del Monte, Enos, Eros, Beavis, Hemi, Harley Davison, Mork, Socrates, Domino, and Strawberry Daiquiri. If you lost count, that's 17 in all. Plus, we just won another three on eBay. We're not a typical family. In fact, you might say we're goddamn freaks. The children run naked, filthy, barefoot, and hungry while we mostly watch TV or surf the internet. As for school, we'll occasionally read to them from Who's Who or the official handbook of the Marvel Universe. To make ends meet, we've taught the children to shoplift. Plus, we sell tickets so that folks can stare at them on the weekends. And even though we haven't any parental qualifications, sense of responsibility, or formal education, somehow we make it all work out. We're Two True Freaks and Counting. Hello and welcome back to Star Trek Monthly Monday, number 48. This is the old school edition TOS. <laughs> I'm Chris Honeywell. I'm here with Scott Gardner. We didn't yeah. properly introduce ourselves in the last segment because it just started getting rolling. We had to, we basically, <laughs> uh, uh, Uncle Randy only has a certain amount of time on the phone before the family start, uh, before the wife starts getting tired of hearing <laughs> the shenanigans coming out of the one room, so we got to start as soon as we get him on the phone. So yeah, the, <laughs> the, the last episode was just the, the equivalent of like a captain Kirk shoulder roll out of a moving car. So, uh, <laughs> so now we're gonna... that's a great description. That's sort of what it felt like to me. It was just sort of like, hoo, hoo, yeah! all right. <laughs> uh, so now we're going to, we're now we're going to get into, now we're going to get into some of the, quote unquote normal stuff which is funny because we we haven't we've been really bad about answering emails so it's not normal that we answer emails <laughs> and we've been really bad about covering, covering the this DC Star Wars <laughs> comics but now we're doing it again so I, it, maybe it's a return to form Star, or Star Trek Star Trek did I say Star Wars yeah but uh, you know that line is is getting more blurred all the time yeah. thanks to JJ uh, uh, Abrams true. so <laughs> So, but uh, yeah, we got just uh, just a handful of emails here, but I wanted to make sure that we address them because they are starting to uh, they are starting to pile up, and uh, and one in particular I really wanted to uh, to shout out. Before we get to that one, I want to finish the rest of uh, Jonathan Kreitz's email that he sent. And he actually sent in a two parter. The first half is all about the uh, next gen edition of the show, and then the second half is about this edition of the show. So I'm going to tackle each section in its respective show. So for the TOS edition, you know, he asked us about where is Randy? Well, you asked for him. You got him. How's that for service? Uh, he also says the hair metal hero jokes never get old. Keep them coming. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
he says, uh, even more than TNG, I have never seen 90 per- uh, 90% of these original episodes. He says, I was a big fan of the original cast movies, but never saw much of the show. Well, I hope we're uh, turning that around for you. He says, uh, this was an excellent episode, and the image of the Tholian web was one of those things that I could recognize as being from Star Trek, but not really knowing anything about it. Do you guys have any pop culture references uh, you just know or recognize even if you don't know uh, all the detail, but, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it happens to me all the time that uh, you know there's certain things. See, you put me on the spot. I'm trying sometimes to think of one. Sometimes the, the thing is, sometimes you can't name it because you don't know that you don't know. Yeah, that it came exactly. from somewhere else originally. Yeah, but it does. It happens to me all. You know, especially where I work. You know, my my resort that I work at. That's the theme is pop yeah. culture from the last 50 years. So. There's a good number of things in like our window boxes that literally span a 50 year time span. And there's a good number of things in those that I'll look at and I have like a passing familiarity. I know what it's from or what it's referencing, but it may be like a movie I never actually saw, but I know what the reference is to, or uh, like a classic pop album that, you know, I know that it's such and such artist, but I've never actually heard the album myself, that sort of thing. So yeah, happens to me quite a bit actually. Uh, let's see what else he got here. He says, uh, Scott made a good point that ever since he pointed out the poor logic of needing to have the same cast in all the films in the reboot, uh, they have all showed up in these episodes. Yeah, I've noticed that too. But the one that we just, uh, we just talked about tonight, um, once again, you know, shows that fallacy because, you know, Ahura and, uh, Chekhov and, um, Sulu weren't in it. And Chekhov wasn't even on the show at that point. Yeah, wasn't even on the show. Exactly. Uh, says this one in particular was really good. He says, I like the tension between Spock and McCoy. There was something I was reading today because, you know, I, when I do these episodes, I, I do t- look at other sources. I try not to take too much stuff because, I, you know, again, we don't want to turn this show into the Wikipedia of Star Trek. Maybe that's that's what you know, maybe, that's what Star Trek wikis for <laughs> exactly you know maybe, you know, I mean, I th- I just think you can get that from other places. The thing that I hope has always appealed to people about the show. I, I think that, you know, I, I hope that the catch as, as it were for this show is that it's us off the top of our heads, our recollections about these episodes that we love or don't love or whatever, as opposed to just, you know, you're listening to us because we're going to give you every factoid. I, yeah, I tried that once and I wasn't happy with the way it sounded. However, there was something interesting. I discovered while I was just kind of digging around to see what other people were saying about it, that apparently, Late in the series, there's another episode where Sulu makes references to the Hordas, and I don't remember that. I I didn't think they were ever referenced again. I don't out, remember you know, that either. Series. Yeah, so I'm I'm anxious to hear that when it comes up. But the writer of the article made note of uh, how interesting it was that Sulu would be the one to reference the Hordas since he's not actually in this episode. So yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. That's kind of right on par with like the. You know, the thing with Khan and Chekhov, even though Chekhov wasn't in Space Seed kind of thing. Anyway, um, and then apparently this must have been the episode. Oh, yeah, it was. This was the episode where we also talked about that uh, Enterprise two-parter that tied in with the Tholian web. He says, I never watched Enterprise, but this episode sounded really cool. And Chris, I think you could attest to uh, the same thing. That yes, you can was, watch was... it as a standalone. And it's not as good if you don't know Enterprise, which I don't. So I didn't know 
the char- the characters that you were seeing the mirror universe version i wasn't familiar enough with their real version to see a lot of the ironies and stuff like that and the and the differences but it was still a very entertaining episode and the references back to the original star trek were so well done that it was mm-hmm. ridiculous you know it wasn't just it was it was it was good fanboy TV, you know, it was stuff that appeals to fanboys, but done in a manner that made sense, that wasn't, you know, stretching your credibility too much. You know, as a matter right. of fact, it, it was done with a really good story, and it barrels right along. Yeah, it's a it's a great two parter, and it has some great scenery chewing acting, so you can't go wrong. Next one we got is uh, from one of our our longest uh, longest listener. Uh, that doesn't sound right at all, does it? One of the one folks of that I know listeners. has been around. Well, you know, he's he's been around with us longest of of any of our listeners. Oh, okay. That's what I meant to say. <laughs> uh, and this is from Mei Yi Chun, and it just simply says, "Best wishes to you and your loved ones." This was sent way back in December, just prior to Christmas. And I don't know that I've ever mentioned this before, but every single year since we've been um, on the air, so to speak, uh, he has sent us a Christmas card. Now, Mei Yi is an artist. If you've ever seen the T-shirt that I wore to my first Star Wars weekends, the picture that I had on that shirt was one of Mei Yi's designs. Well, every year he has sent us a Christmas card that he himself has has illustrated and painted and everything they're beautiful beautiful pieces and i don't know if this still stands but i know that one year i think it was the first year he sent us one he asked us to just you know this is for you don't share it or anything like that you know don't put it online or whatever so i've respected that wish and i and i haven't done that um may you get a hold of us and let us know if that's if that's still your wishes on these because man i'd love to share some of these images that images that you've sent to us but once again Sent us a beautiful Christmas card. This one was Star Trek related, and it, and it had this uh, really attractive uh, Vulcan woman, you know, giving us the live long and prosper, and it's just beautiful. It just says Happy Holidays, Two True Freaks, but it's just a gorgeous piece of art. And uh, just wanted to shout out Mayi because, like I say, he has been around with us possibly longer than anyone else that we know of. And uh, and if you listen to episode two hundred, <clears throat> um, as an Easter egg, you can hear Mayi's voice. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. See if see if anybody can figure out where he is in there. <laughs> and last one for this time around, I always love first timer uh, emails, and this one says first time commenter from a long time fan. And he says, "My name is Larry." Okay, here we go. This is my brother gonna... Daryl, and this is my other <laughs> brother Daryl. <laughs> I'm gonna say like a tour. He says, never mind uh, trying to pronounce my last name. He says, I'm English with a French last name. Captain Picard, anyone? His name is spelled L-E- Surrender! U-T-E-R. So, oh, God. <laughs> I'm going to say Le-, Le Couture. I don't know. It's probably horrible. Anyway, he says, a 34-year-old from Canada. He says, I- I've been a fan of your podcast, especially the Comics Monthly Mondays, Commentary Monthly Mondays, and the Star Trek Monthly Mondays for at least a year and a half. This is my favorite podcast of all time from you and Chris has to be the Star Trek Monthly Monday edition concerning the second season episode Friday's Child, which featured Randy, which is a good thing you didn't read this when Randy was here. We don't want to go this too much. I know he already can't fit through doors. God bless you, everyone. (laughs) 
says, I could not stop laughing throughout the whole uh, throughout the whole thing. He says, the witty and snide comments peppering the commentary about the episode, as well as the funniest sides about your lives growing up, were just flying from every direction from all three of you. Simply the best, bar none. So at any rate, I am a comic book fan from way back when I was growing up in the 80s. My favorite, uh, my favorites being Superman drawn by Kurt Swan, Batman by Don Newton, hell yeah, and Gene Colan. Uh, Daredevil by David Mazzuchelli, The Uncanny X-Men by John Romita Jr., and Spider-Man by the same artist. He says, I'm not as much into comics as I used to be, uh, especially the way the comic books uh, are being handled nowadays. But every now and then, if something should catch my attention coming from either company or some other company, I'll end up downloading it. I'm a digital comic proponent and will continue to do so as long as I still have access to the Internet. Preach it, brother. Preach it. So to wrap up this long email, I do have one particular question concerning Star Trek, the original series. Why is it that the third and final season received such an awfully bad rap with fans, uh, even the hardcore fans? When I was growing up, my dad introduced me to Star Trek and the episodes I watched first were from, uh, from the third season, which call me crazy, but I happen to like the most. Mind you, I've watched the whole series many times. It's not even funny, but those uh, episodes I was exposed to first... Um, oh, I'm sorry, I read it wrong. It says, I've watched the whole series so many times it's not even funny. That's how it sh should have read. It says, but those episodes I was exposed to first, uh, so I guess I have a special affection for them overall in mm -hmm. spite of the flaws. Uh, you folks are the best, and I will continue to enjoy your output. Keep up the excellent work, Scott and Chris. Yours truly, Larry. And uh, thank you very much, Larry. Don't be a stranger, because I really enjoyed your uh, your email. And uh, I suspect that we have a lot in common with our likes, uh, especially the likes you mentioned here for comic books. And we're going to have some Kurt Swan for you coming up here in this oh, episode. Yeah. That's right. That was, uh, believe me, this was completely just dumb luck and, uh, you know, for very fortuitous mm -hmm. though with uh, yeah like you say kurt swan and uh, his mention of randy in there mm -hmm. um but yeah I, I mean do we have more to elaborate about the third season thing because i i feel much the same way but i mean I, I think it's i think it's mostly like i said before i think the bulk of the uh people know the story now too and they know the whole story of like by that time they were getting the squeeze from the network and you know so People so people put a lot into it. If you took a if you took all the episodes and shuffled them around, the only thing I think you'd be able to tell really definitively what time period you were watching was the only marker that you could use that would be accurate would be like Shatner's gut and Chekhov. <laughs> right. You know, if you didn't see right. Chekhov, odds are good that it's before season two. You know, right. but and and stuff like that. But really, you know. Yeah, uh, season three. It's maybe it's just because it has more clunkers. Yes, I, I think that's exactly what it is. I, I think it's simply a matter of your your bulk of your stinkers are are in the third season. That's why it gets that bad rap. And, but but it's by by no means is it start to finish bad. Well, also a Star Trek stinker in my book is a lot better than like ninety nine percent of everything else that's out there anyway. So, exactly. Yeah. So, I'd rather watch, you know, even the worst Star Trek episode than, you know, yeah, like you say, the anything best else. episode of Everybody Loves Raymond or Gilligan's Island or some damn thing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Some damn thing. <laughs> that should be a show. <laughs> some damn thing starring Scott Gardner. 
Hi, today we're going to talk about some damn thing and, the, and or the other. I don't know. Either way, it's some damn thing or the other. I think I should just pick up Andy Rooney's uh, slack at this point, basically. <laughs> Did you ever notice paper clips? Don't they just piss you right off? And that kind of thing. Oh... Did you ever notice Andy Rooney pisses it? Wait. <laughs> yes. So what have you got for us this time, well, Mr. Well, um, we've got... How long has it been since we've done a DC Star Trek comic? 25 years. Yeah. So we're picking up where we left off all those years ago at DC Star Trek number 37. Mm-hmm. Now, this one was. This is like this is getting late in our in our uh, comic because cover price is seventy five cents, and we've been everything mm-hmm. we've been talking about lately has been in the sixty cent rate. So we're up to seventy five cents. Yep. This is April of nineteen eighty seven. Scott and I are even out of out of high school by this time. Yep. Um, the cover. On my first glance at the cover, I would have thought that Bill Sienkiewicz had his I thought the fingers same thing. in there because of all the little wiggly bits and the way it's painted. And there's even some s- s- star patterns that look almost like his signature. But it's not. It's Bill Ray. I, I, I um, have learned my lesson about assuming <laughs> who did, did the cover. And uh, in. Inside, we've got Len Wein as the writer. Kurt Swan, as we were saying before, did the pencils on this. And uh, Pablo Marcos is the writer. Um, what? Now, did what? I not, or is he Pablo Marcos is the inker. The guest inker. Because yes. I'm like, where did I write the inker down? <laughs> There's no inker. Okay, Shelly Aber is the colorist. Robert Greenberger is the editor. And I could go over Greenberger right now. Augustine Mass, letterer. And Augustine Mass, that's the only like person on the art crew, really, that looks familiar from. But then again, it's been 25 years since we read one of these. <laughs> right. Now, um, you made the suggestion on this when we were talking earlier about, um, about potentially um, doing it as a... Uh, as I don't know how many people here listen to uh, Comics Monthly Monday, but there's the Get Chris to Read a Goddamn Superhero segment, oh, yeah. and you're saying, nah, <laughs> maybe you want to do your um, your synopsis in that style. I think for this particular that's issue, exactly that's exactly what I thought. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I was like, why did he? Why, why for he say that? <laughs> I started reading this comic, and I went, ah, okay. So. Don't mind me as as I just beat my head against the wall here a little bit and knock my IQ down a few points. Not that it's truly necessary, but it's more amusing right. that way. <laughs> this month on Get Chris to Read a Goddamn Star Trek comic, we have a story called Choices. The new Enterprise is getting ready to leave Space Dock. We basically get to be creepy stalkers and listen into everybody's diaries 
as they talk about how glad they are not to be rotting in a Starfleet prison and back in their old positions on the ship. Sulu even leaves his, yeah, right, girlfriend. To be <laughs> it is cool to have all our beloved characters back. And then guess what? Konam and his girlfriend are back. Then it gets worse. Bearclaw shows up and says, Surprise! I am still a racist, space douche. Then they try to make it all better by throwing Cat Lady and Crazy Extra Arms McGinty from the cartoon show in. <laughs> oh yeah, there is a plot where a religious fanatic rigs the Enterprise to explode, but Spock clips the red wire just in time. The end. Did you recognize the terrorist? No. Oh, come on, dude. It's not a stretch at all. It's Kurt Swan. What is Kurt Swan's claim to fame? Look at the bottom of page four. I'm on page four looking at it. Okay. He looks ignore the, like the Vulcan. No, ignore the ignore the scar on his you know what? I didn't even notice he had pointed ears. Ignore the scar, ignore the hat, ignore the pointed ears. Who is that? It's not is it, it's not supposed to be Superman, is it? I don't think it's supposed to be Superman, but it sure as hell looks it like does. him to me. It doesn't make any sense. I I don't see Superman as a really maybe it's just Kurt Swan is so used to he, he looks like Superman if Superman was a little brain damaged, though. He's got the squinky eye. <laughs> <laughs> what squinky eye? <laughs> to me, he looks like Superman. You you read, uh, yeah, because it, it was one of those Get Chris Reads. A super stroke, had a red sun stroke or something. Uh, <laughs> well, remember how Superman looked at the end of whatever happened to the Man of Tomorrow when he was just living in suburbia with, with Lois Lane and all that? Mm -hmm. That's kind of what this guy looks like to me. He's like older, slightly gone to seed Superman. Like Superman, like years after his fight with Muhammad Ali or something. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, there just I, isn't much to this story. No, no, there's not. There's really not. But you know what's funny? It's not bad. It's not bad. I remember this issue when it came out. I'm trying to remember where I was. I was probably, I've had to be, I was probably still in either basic training or tech school in the Air Force when this came out because my training went from late 86 into the spring of 87. So I was probably still in San Antonio when this came out. Star Trek Four had just been in theaters and everything. So this was right on the heels of all that. This is actually the first mm -hmm. adventure in the comic series since the movie. So, you know, they're they're launching the new Enterprise and all that. I just remember really hating this issue. And for the life of me, I don't know why, other than maybe that it was Kurt Swan's art. But, you know, what's funny is that, for one thing, I've really mellowed on Kurt Swan a lot, you know, in, in recent years. I, I think I've been overly critical of him. While I'm not you know, crazy about him being a Star Trek artist. You can't fault the guy that he did the one thing in this that has been my continual bitch about this series since we started. He got the details right. You look at page two, that's the bridge of the movie Enterprise. He really nailed it. 
and it really hasn't been nailed in this series up to this point. No. So I liked that. The ship, the, the ships are a little weird. Yeah, but just a little. The likenesses are good, but they're a little off. They're yeah. basically they're like the likenesses through a Superman filter, yeah. and I couldn't help but laugh at how felt Scotty is on the top of page seven. Well, there's a real Hasselhoff Kirk in this. His Kirk is totally <laughs> Hasselhoffed out in this one. <laughs> Spock is pretty. Spock is pretty close. Sulu looks like animated series Sulu. Mm-hmm. I thought. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, I mean, honestly, I I don't really have any like serious beefs with it. You know, now that I made that reference to the animated series, I think that actually is a very apt comparison. If it doesn't sound like me tooting my own horn, because you look at page eleven with Conan, again, that looks like the animated series Klingons too. Yes. So yeah, it does. It kind of has the animated series feel to it. Which you know, I can't wait till we get to that. You know, maybe that's what he was going for because. On page 14, they do add, um, what the hell were their names? Eric's and Mares to the crew from the animated series. Right, right. Which I could have lived without her. But I always thought uh, the three-armed guy, I don't know which one is which. I think she's Mares and he's Eric's. Is that right? I don't know. But anyway, the three-armed dude, I always thought he was kind of cool. That would be interesting. Do they stick around? I don't recall i hope so i don't know because i'm pretty sure this was the last issue i i ever bought like back then i think i have the rest of the series now that i filled in all the runs where i have all the issues between here and the end of the series now or at least the bulk of them but i've never read any of them past this issue so everything from here on is going to be brand spanking new to me so it'll be interesting to see how all that develops i I wouldn't mind seeing them as developed characters in the star trek movies yeah yeah no joke they could do they could do them now now. yeah they could do both of them now yeah well i'm assuming that the cat those cat-eyed women in the first movie were part of her race but they did I don't think they had cat legs like her. I always imagine that the the cat woman that attacks Kirk in Star Trek V was one of her race uh, too. It's just you know, that was just me just, you know, wishful thinking. Uh-huh. But I could be. I mean I always thought that was kind of cool. But yeah, that's pretty much all I had. I mean, it wasn't bad. I, I really don't know what got on my nerves so much about it originally, other than it was probably more than likely it was like just the art. art. The fact there's not much of a story here. Kurt Swan um, is kind of a generic artist. Yeah. But now looking at him these days, he's also got a really good sense of frames and flow to it. So it's almost like he's working with the form rather than the content. Yes. As much. So I can look at it and appreciate it for that more than like his attention to detail or or the fact that sometimes people this my thing with Kurt Swan is sometimes he makes it look like somebody sort of grabbed the top, put their hand on the top of someone's head and on the bottom like a giant like God person and say (laughs) the head was made of clay and they just give it a, a little bit of a bend at the middle. You know, so their foreheads are sort of leaning either to the left or to the right every once in a while. <laughs> and some Kurt Swan. And I know it's not like whoever's inking him or something, because it's been something I've always. Kirk gets it a lot here. Kirk either looks like Hasselhoff or Will Ferrell. 
this <laughs> in this episode issue. <laughs> Which is hilarious. I like the uh the 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 super Asian Spock on what page is it? Like page eighteen yeah, page eighteen. It's like seventeen <laughs> and eighteen. Spock on both those pages reminds me of a character from like an old com like you know, action old action comics era, you know. Right. Um, you know, Spock the old Asian yeah, stereotype. Spock, Master yeah. of Magic, you know. <laughs> it has that that sort of the way it's drawn, you know. <laughs> that that panel next to the last panel on page seventeen does look like Doctor Strange yeah, exactly. casting a spell and making the panel explode. Exactly. That's He's making two little, little hand motions, you know. All he needs is the eye of Agamotto around his neck. That'd be awesome. Right, and on the next page, like up at the top where he's got the collar and stuff, you know, that could be like some old-fashioned like Prince Valiant outfit or something. <laughs> and McCoy, the one, the, the one under it, look at McCoy. It looks like he's got his teeth out. <laughs> the one with McCoy that, <laughs> that both made me laugh and kind of creep me out. Uh-huh. You go all the way back to page five. It's the shot of McCoy's head right in the center of the panel. That kind of looks like big baby to me. Yeah. You know, like those and, those big baby dolls that they used to have right. with the like the the eyes that would roll back or whatever when they would like lay down to go to sleep. And like I said, it's got a little, it's a little bit lumpy in the middle. Like somebody gave it a little bit of a twitch to the left, you know, he's leaning to the left. It's a little potato, you know, a little spud like, <laughs> and then the pan, and then on the next page, I, that, that guy's doing the Fred Sanford right there. I'm coming to join you, Elizabeth. <laughs> Uh, it was it was not bad though. No, it was it was it was an obvious like, all right, we have to do something to get it all going again. You know, get yep. it all uh, all lined up and ready to start adventures. And they needed a conflict, but it was just the stupidest. It literally that's what Spock like twiddles over the dials, and everybody literally stands around going, "There's nothing we can do but watch Spock." And then it comes down to I gotta cut this wire or that wire, right? And I don't know. I'm imperfect, so I don't know if I'm gonna do it. Oh, yeah, I did it because the Enterprise is obviously not gonna blow up in <laughs> Star Trek number thirty-seven. Well, they do. They all stand around wringing their hands, you know, and e- either they're all gonna live or they're all gonna die, and it's all up to Spock. Well, I think at the very least, um, maybe out of prep the shuttle, you know, the escape pod. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just have them go. Well, you know, we'll find out in five seconds, and then you cut away and notice they're all on the shuttlecraft. <laughs> exactly. Spock. Exactly. You know, you guys, got you no, got yeah. You got Kirk going, okay, Spock, you're good with this, right? All right. Well, in the meantime, we're going to be holding, you know, 5,000 meters off the port bow or whatever. And, you know, if you don't blow up, we'll come back. (laughs) (laughs) It's logical. (laughs) But not bad. No. So I think with the format of this show, for the time being, what do you think? Just, Just one at a time for a while? One at a time. We're trying to yeah. keep we're trying to keep the time down so we don't run out of room and on on our feed and right so yeah what what one's good that's about all they can handle without choking works for me 
I'm going to have to read. You know, I didn't pay any attention to the letters page. I'm going to go back and read this because it looks like it actually gives like a brief history of Star Trek kind of thing in here. Talking about the different series and the different comic series. And so that actually looks interesting. I have to go back and check that out. But that's all I got for this time around. Are we uh, are we good to wrap this one up and move on to uh, the 24th century? That's right, everybody. Um, if you if you take the take the shuttle or, and and then um, follow the the path that we've got programmed in, it'll slingshot you past the sun into four years four four years four hundred years into the future. <laughs> And we'll have two episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation. And if you're not listening to both episodes, then you are worse than Hitler. (laughs) Space Hitler. You are worse than Space Hitler, who is worse than regular Hitler. So chew on that. Shalom, human dogs. I, Arnold Ziffel, have taken over the Star Trek Monthly Monday long-distance dedication this month. I have decided to bring some class and sophistication to this show full of humans. I bring you my own readings of Shakespeare. You have never heard Shakespeare Unless it is in the original pig Latin. Ute ibe ure atne ute ibe atate ize is the western quay. Other way is the oblone inne is the in May, Ote, Officer. What is going on in here? Arnold, what are you doing? What did I tell you about this? Oh, um, uh, Bill, yes. Well, uh, we didn't seem to have anyone else for this much dedication, so I took it upon myself to step up to the plate. And have a take and not suck. So, uh, well, you know. Well, uh, all right. Yeah, we can't find Christopher Walken. Morgan Freeman's in Milan, Italy. Who knows where Arnold Schwarzenegger is? And nobody's seen Walter Conkright since he f- flipped out on that flashback. So, uh, yeah, just, just, just go ahead and finish. That'll do, pig. Do not compare me to Babe. Do I look like Babe to you, stupid human? Just because I'm a pig, we don't all look alike. Anyway, on with the dedication. This month's dedication goes out to the Horter, a greatly misunderstood, beautiful beast. We would just like to warn all of the human, puny humans on the mining colony to look out. There is a monster coming. Good night, my people. Shalom.
Unmarried, looking for love, life was passing me by. So I sent off my photo, hobbies and age, magazine marriage I'd try. They say for centuries, lovely Japanese girls have been trained in the art of pleasing men. Be lonely no more, open destiny's door. For one dollar they arrange a meeting. My image was wrong, I didn't like me, so I changed my personality. I bought a deluxe Mersey beat wig, but it was a size too big. What confidence in my new built-up shoes, so smart for winter or summer, undetectable in normal everyday use. Look out, there's a monster coming. You can sponsor an episode of this or any other of your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated shows. Simply click the PayPal link on our website, donate any amount at all, tell us which show you're choosing and what message, if any, you'd like us to read on your behalf, and you will be an official sponsor of that show's very next episode, with your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy, and there is no minimum donation. Be a show sponsor today. Anytime you plan to visit Amazon.com, please be aware that if you use the Amazon.com link located on our website, www.2TrueFreaks.Libson.com 2 True Freaks will receive a referral bonus for any items you purchase. There is absolutely no additional cost to you whatsoever for doing this. All proceeds go directly toward keeping new episodes of all your favorite 2 True Freaks affiliated podcasts rolling and it really helps us out. So please, use our Amazon.com link anytime you plan to visit Amazon.com. Welcome to Amazon. I love you. Grunt, grunt. He put my hand on my heart. I am to change any part. He had a machine for a mommy. Please be gentle with me. I come to pieces, literally. Look out, there's a monster coming. 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 Visit our website at 2TrueFreaks.Libson.com 2 True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S Libson is spelled L-I-B-S-Y-N You can email 2 True Freaks directly at 2TrueFreaks at gmail.com Join our forum at ForumForGeeks.com where you can discuss all of the shows on our feed with us and your fellow listeners. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. And hey, you can friend me, Scott Gardner, on Facebook too. My name is spelled S-C-O-T-T-G-A-R-D-N-E-R. You can friend me on Facebook too, if you can find me. Now available, Two True Freaks t-shirts. See our website for details. Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check that out at www.comicspodcast.com, where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. We are also members of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, visit comicbooknoise.com league. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? 
Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two Two True True Freaks. And this is your Uncle Don saying goodnight. Good night, little kids. Good night. We're off? Good. Well, that ought to hold the little bastards. Yeah.